Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter a pot of their own this is episode 138 of a pot of their own i am allison mccaig and i am joined this week by my lovely co-host maggie wiggin hello maggie hi allison and we are also joined this week by friend of the pod kate feldman who is a reporter and senior tv writer with the new york daily news and we brought her on today to talk about something that is very close to our hearts and something that we have alluded to for a few weeks now and we are finally doing we are going to talk about the new a league of their own tv series out now on amazon prime welcome to the show kate thanks for coming on thank you amazon would be very mad at me you're supposed to call it prime video oh yes amazon prime video. <laughs> no i couldn't care just prime video um <laughs> But yes, uh, it is on Prime Video Streaming. Um, if you have Prime, you already have it. Otherwise, I think you can subscribe to Prime Video separately, but I don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, but either way, uh, that is where you can find A League of Their Own, um, which we have all watched at least most of, if not all of. And uh, we are very excited to talk about it. Um, I am the holdout who did not quite make it all the way through. You just missed the finale, right, Maggie? That's the only no, thing. No, I'm, I'm missing. I got through episode five. Okay. Um, in my defense, camp has ended for both <laughs> of my children. So, <laughs> yes. In your Off defense, you have responsibilities in life. Though, yeah. <laughs> which, like, responsibilities, please. I 
I am confined to my apartment due to the fact that both the fact that I am currently living with someone with COVID and like am immobile. Oh, I watched so much TV when I had COVID. I watched more TV when I had COVID than in like the last three years combined. (laughs) So like not leaving my couch is like basically required at this point. Um, Well, but so, so yes, everyone has, has put it away. I'm the lone holdout, but I don't (laughs) mind. And we will um, in the show notes, by the way, everyone, we will in the show notes uh, if and when we discuss spoilers and like just based on what I will be asking Kate about, there will only be minor spoilers. Most of these questions are very general and broad, but if and when we cover very specific things about specific episodes that we are designating as spoilers, I will put timestamps for those things in the show notes so that you guys can skip that if you haven't seen this yet and don't wish to be spoiled. Um, But anyway. Uh, This show obviously covers the same source material as the 1992 film by the same name, which we all know and love, Um, Mm -hmm. but it significantly differs and expands on the film in many ways. So, Kate, can you talk about the various ways in which the show sort of deviates from the film and expands on the film? Yeah, that was what I was most... I don't even want to say worried, but I guess cautious about coming into this. Like, this is my favorite movie. and Me too. Either mm-hmm. yep. the show, what I went to, I, either the show was not going to hold up, which was just going to be really sad, or it was going to, and I, I should have thought a better way to say this. I spent months talking about this show, but or it was going to so ruin the movie by showing where it failed that it was also going to make me sad, and it didn't do either of those, which is incredible. Yeah. Because yeah. it showed, and look, it's also because it had the virtue of eight hours instead of two. It had the virtue of 2022 when you're allowed to do more on TV. But it was able to do more. I mean, that's really what it is. It was able to do more storylines. It was able to show more. It was able to look in hindsight what we know now than what Penny Marshall knew in 1992. And that is Black women who played baseball. That is that the league was very gay. And it still had the warmth and the joy and the love of the movie that I think we all fell in love with. I mean, as definitely everyone on this podcast, at least. Yeah, I I was worried that I was like, oh, I was waiting for moments from the movie, like little Easter eggs. Like I was waiting for the there's no crying in baseball. I was waiting for like things like that that never came. The song, the song they did do. I was waiting Mm -hmm. for a lot of those that never came. But and and like at first, I think that like my initial reaction to that was to be disappointed. But I had to keep reminding myself they're not just remaking this movie. Yeah, stop expecting that. Disagree. I think we did get a lot of Easter eggs. You got the behind the back hatch. You got the, the song was my favorite. The song, well, there got, was the crying scene. Yeah, that was one of the episodes that I got. <laughs> you had the the barehanded catch when she threw yeah. the baseball to, um, I'm blank on it, but you did get a lot of those smaller moments, and yet it did stand alone. Like you didn't need yeah. to watch the movie. Well, I right. feel like it's. Um, I mean, I think we can all agree that there is a never-ending fountain of stories that could come out of women's baseball mm-hmm. that that is you know I, I saw a lot of people being like oh why do people why you know get new stories why do you have to say tell the same story and like it's not the same story it is a yeah. totally different story not the same and it's also a story you know I, I think what I love is that about 
you know, illegal there on the movie is that it's a story about women and it's made by a woman. And like that, I think just has a different quality to it. And the show does the same thing, but Abby Jacobson and Penny Marshall are a huge generation apart. And so what they put out there is also a generation apart and that's stylistically <laughs> and that's in terms of content and that, you know, I don't think either is going to appeal to everyone who likes the other one, if you know, what I mean. like, yeah, but yeah. I think they're both really good and like just telling again, different stories about the same world. Uh, my husband refused it, referred to it as the A League of Their Own Cinematic Universe, which <laughs> I've also I used that phrase. So I'm should, like, <laughs> we yeah. should just do that. What is it like? A, uh, a lot of moo? A lot of moo. There we yeah. go. <laughs> a lot of moo. A lot of coup. There. A lot of coup. We get yeah. there. Anyway. That sounds like a so, sci-fi character. So that's my feeling about like them being different. And like, yes, yeah. a lot of that is in terms of like, being able to really delve into the queer issues of the time and also like being very frank about the messiness of how the world handled race. Um, like just that it, it makes everyone's lives harder and more frustrating and just, yeah. So I, I appreciated all of that yeah. difference and yeah, I'm glad we have both. Yeah. And I will say that in talking to the cast and the creators, they were all also very aware that they all loved the movie too. And they didn't want a TV show that's just, here's where Penny Marshall failed. Is Penny Marshall getting this movie on the air in 1992? Is it a miracle too? Right, right. Yeah. I think people forget like how, even though like mm -hmm. this show talks about a lot of things that the movie didn't or couldn't in some cases talk about, mm -hmm. I think people forget how like progressive the, the, mm -hmm. the show, what their movie was for its time. Um, it holds up very well. Yeah. I'm, my kids were obsessed with it um, <laughs> over Christmas break, like 2019 into 2020, which means that because there was no school for two weeks, I watched it probably 20 times. <laughs> um, and like, really, I mean, there's very few like Ooh, <laughs> moments where it's just like that didn't age well at yeah. all. Like it really it, it can hang. That's yeah. one of my, and I'm not going to go too far off topic on this, but that's one of my, I guess, hobby horses is, you know, looking at art in context. Like we can watch Friends in 2022 and you are kind of cringing a lot of the time. Yes. It wasn't, it doesn't mean that it was okay back then, but it was just the jokes that you made and it was, it was what it was. Yep. Uh, we're doing, Michael and I are doing a rewatch. Well, I'm rewatching. He's watching for the first time Glee. And mm -hmm. a lot of those jokes are yeah. so cringy now. Like I just rewatched Buffy and they use the R word all the time. Yeah. Uh. Awful, but you did back then. Nobody thought. And that, again, doesn't mean it's okay, but it just was what it was. Right. Right. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, it's not, and that's not to say that, like, Penny Marshall didn't tell an important story, mm -hmm. at, at which I'm not saying that like it's it's more that like she told a limited story. Yeah. And she did it incredibly. But, you know, the what's left is filling out the rest of that world mm -hmm. in a way that is like extremely historically accurate. Like yeah. these, this was all things happening. Right. We also in the 20th, 30, got 30 years since that come out more of, we have more evidence of that you yeah. know I know we're going to get to this later but you know 
we all probably assumed that there were gay women in the league, but they weren't out in 1992. Right. And I don't think Penny Marshall gets to make that assumption. Right. Exactly. Now we do know for a fact. Right. You can't tell a story that a, the world isn't necessarily ready to hear and b the, the people who it's about aren't ready Mm -hmm. to tell. Right. Um, but, uh, now they are. So, (laughs) um, so it's worth noting that and we we actually talked about this on the podcast because it, the news came out like before the show came out that um, that Maybell Blair, one of the players who this show is based on. Obviously, there's no character that's exactly her, but there's characters that are, the characters are amalgamations of real people um, is uh, and she was involved with the creation of the show. She came out as gay during the press mm-hmm. tour of the show. Um, and she was involved in making the show. So this is just like, you know, real life evidence of like this. There were queer relationships that were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to talk about the uh, Kate alluded to it earlier. But um, the fact that this show is not only very gay, but it's unapologetically gay. <laughs> and like the majority of the main characters on this show are queer. And a lot of the people involved with creating the show are queer as well. So mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to delve in more about the importance of that expansion of the uh, of the original uh, A League of Their Own Cinematic Universe um, Mm -hmm. and talk about the queer relationships in this show, because there are many of them and they are all wonderful. Yeah, that was what I loved was that it wasn't just, you know, here's two gay characters, you know, it's not these longing looks like we get every shade of gray here we get bisexual women we get queer women we get women exploring we get trans I mean there's so much and what I loved and appreciated and is still rare in current tv that I hate is that it never have to it never has to explain itself and you said unapologetically that's the word for it it was just here are these women here are what they do right and I was kind of I like I was kind of afraid that how do I how do I put this uh, in the best way? I was kind of afraid that it would paper over or gloss over the reality of being queer in this era, because like, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, they were in a space where like being queer was more accepted kind of in this like, you know, bubble of the league. Right. But there was a whole world outside of that. And they had to navigate that world. And they alluded to in the earlier episodes, and this is where we get like slightly spoilery, but I'm not going to like go crazy with the spoilers. But in Mm -hmm. a lot of the earlier episodes, they allude to just like being careful. Society doesn't accept us as we are. But I was worried that there wasn't going to be any like any depiction of that at all. And it was just going to be like, oh, this like boogeyman that they're kind of afraid of, but never rears its head because it's too like sanitized, I guess is the best way I could, the best word I could use to describe that. But then there is a an episode where it, there there is a backlash and it's Mm -hmm. violent and they don't show the like full on violence. And I don't think you have to, to, to feel the impact. Mm-hmm. of what happens and I as much as it was like hard to watch and sad it was real and yeah. I appreciated mm-hmm. that scene a lot and I mean you can say the same for the race storylines too is that the show highlighted both the highs and the lows I mean that sounds ridiculous but and it wasn't trauma porn and it wasn't rose-colored glasses you got all of it 
yeah, trauma porn is a is a great way to describe it. Like there wasn't there's a time and a place for like, you know, showing the full on violence that happened because it's something that happened and we shouldn't shy away from it. But and it's happening still uh, in, in 2022. But like there we felt the impact of it without you know, needing without seeing without mm. trauma porn, basically. Yeah, that's not what this show is. I mean, that's just that's not the story that they're telling. And exactly. that's fine. I think that's fine. I don't think we needed to see it, like you said. Right. Well, I um, appreciate also that Max's Max's story is obviously so tied to her race and so many like the world won't let her have a story that isn't tied to her race, but her world, which in the show is often is, you know, for the most part, almost completely separated out, like in a parallel storyline with, you know, um, with the the peaches. Mm-hmm. But like her world is so richly written and um, just really fully realized these all of these characters, her family and friends, you just get this really like keen sense of relationships between them and shared history and all of this stuff that a lot of it's about their race and a lot of it isn't and it's just the like it's one of the least tokenized like Mm. black family friend groups within an otherwise white show that i've really ever seen and i say like black group within a white show and that is i mean i think if you add up the screen time there's a real there is an imbalance but also like not nearly what I would have expected in another show. Like, I think then that's really like elevating the stories, you know, to one another. And really it's just, it's just really great. And I love, God, I love every character, but I especially love plants and her mother, her mother Mm -hmm. who's so messed up in so many ways, but also just like incredible and loves her. And like, man, uh, I just, I love that whole damn show. (laughs) so good um and interestingly talking about maggie talking about like the two worlds existing in parallel with like some cross talk between them but not a whole lot is that the two kind of the two protagonists in the two separate worlds in the peaches world you have carson and in the in, in the world uh and then you have max's world um and they're both Carson and Max are characters who are struggling with their sexuality, which I thought was so, so refreshing and interesting to show that it wasn't just, oh, we're ticking a box and having representation and we're showing queer relationships. We're showing people struggling with their sexuality and trying to figure it out. And it was interesting to watch these characters go through it and, you know, bounce it off each other. Like one of the best scenes I thought in the entire show was when uh, Carson and Max are talking about like what it's like to be with a woman mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. how it feels and how it's different. And Max asks, you know, asks Carson how it's different when she's with her husband versus when she's with Greta, um, her love interest in the show. Um And I, I just thought that that was such an interesting conversation. That's like not something that's like, that I've seen on TV really before. Like I've obviously seen a lot of, a lot of queer characters on TV before, but most of them are not struggling. They're just, they're queer (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it is what it is. And that's great. But like, it is, it's cool to see characters who are like openly working it out on screen. And when you do see those characters working it out, they're teenagers. You don't get to see the adult characters. Right. And that's a very different experience. I mean, just in general. And it's realistic. And this isn't just something that happened 
in the 40s when it was less accepted to be part of the LGBTQ community. It's something that happens now. Like adults, all the time adults come out as queer and who didn't think they were queer when they were younger and realize who they are as adults. That's like a very common thing that happens that isn't really talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was interesting. Um, I also thought that... um, that Carson's situation at the end of the show. So like kind of speaking of Carson, like struggling. So kind of Carson's main thing is that she is struggling with the fact that she clearly loves Greta um, and is, and is experiencing these feelings for Greta, but she, she's married. She has a husband and she loves her husband. And so she doesn't know how to feel. And she's stuck between these two worlds. And it's the way I'm not going to spoil exactly how the, the finale ends but basically the last scene of the finale is like leaves that whole like triangle very unresolved and sort of sets up for more it's clear that they they haven't made the renewal decision about this show if i'm not if i'm correct which is gonna stress me out which is gonna stress me out until amazon usually takes about a month they wait and see a lot of streaming numbers so do not freak out that how long we gonna have to wait kate I know. Do not do not freak out that it hasn't happened yet. That is not a bad. Do you sign. ever find out early? Can you message us? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you won't tell I, will. Okay. I will. I will. Very off the record. Yes. Yes. But we, so that whole situation is very unresolved, which is clearly, you know, setting up for if the show is renewed for future seasons. I'm just curious, Kate, like how you think that that arc is going to play out. Like, is she is is she gonna end up back with her husband or is she gonna like go off on a different tangent so both for storyline and for my personal belief system i hope she goes out and explores she's been what was it she'd been with him since she was six years old yeah they're like childhood best friends yeah like it's really cute but also that's literally all you know and it you should find out what else you like what she's doing and i think you should keep exploring that i am a strong believer in seeing what else is out there like i look i disagree she cheated on her husband but it wasn't working it wasn't enough it wasn't right go find something that is right right it's funny because i'm like i'm my brain is like and now I'm like crossing shows and maybe sorry if this is a spoiler for people who want to watch for all mankind, by the way, but I'm like envisioning a situation where like she and her husband are each other's beards and he's actually gay. <laughs> I also think Charlie was pretty insipid, which doesn't help the case. He's just like, I mean, you get a lot of time with him, but like, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of his. He's not. It's not grabbing anybody's attention. Right. Like I'm sitting like here just... trying to summon a picture of him in my head and absolutely failing. Well, it's Patrick J. Adams, who I think is adorable. But... He's just generic nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy and that's fine. And that is right for some people, but it's clearly not right for Carson. Yeah. And, like, and it's also he's... not fair to keep him around when you know it's not right for you. Right. I did think, I mean, obviously, you know, I like Kate said, I disagree with the cheating, but there the it was an interesting scene where Carson that, you know, her husband shows up, you know, at the he returns from war and he shows up at the peaches like place and um, and, you know, they're in the championships at the end and like Carson, there's a conversation that Carson has where she just like 
doesn't want him around anymore because he's like he's getting to it's getting too in her head because his presence mm-hmm. is like messing with like her her mojo and she needs to be in her space um doing her thing and at first she just like says can you go back to the hotel and i was like yeah that's reasonable and then she was like can you go home to idaho and i was like okay carson <laughs> you're being kind of a dick right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah and look right it's not fair on him like he went to war and she just changed her entire life without telling him and like yeah that's not fair but it happened it happened, yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's there. Like, you have to, like, move, you know, you have to go forward. Right, right. Um, The last uh, thing about the, the queerness of this show that I will, uh, that I wanted to talk about before we move on to something else is um, I also found the depiction of, like, because it's not just the queer relationships, right, of which there are several, but it's about the depiction of queer spaces in this time that I really found interesting. Um, you have in particular, you have the, and, and it's kind of a con- the contrast between the two worlds again, right? Like in Peach's world, you have a bo- like a speakeasy style bar that's like hidden. You know, like you come in and there's like a front, it's like a tax office or something, mm-hmm. but behind there's a bar. Um, and then in uh, Max's world, you have like, th- there's this house party that her aunt, uncle, <laughs> really her uncle um, is like, you know, hosting their hosting his chosen family at the house. And it's like a house party, a safe space for queer folks to just exist and be. Um, and I found that interesting that they are depicting these like spaces in addition to just like showing the relationships. It's Ooh. about showing the spaces and how they existed back then. And like, I don't know much about like, I'm ashamed to admit, I don't know much about like how how realistic that is for the time. Or like, you know, it, it made sense to me just like as a viewer who knows not much like watching. I was like, yeah, like this seems realistic, but I don't actually know if it is. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting. I will say that the bar that the peaches go to seemed almost too open to me. And we see how that fails, obviously. Like, I kind of had a hard time believing that you can just say, I'm a friend of Dorothy to a random, you know, guy in a suit. And then there's just the, but maybe there was, like I said, I don't know either. But it did strike me that even, right, with um, Max's world, they were doubly hidden. You couldn't even go to a bar behind the office. Yeah. Maggie, have you gotten to that episode yet? I don't remember what number it is. Not, uh, I have not seen the house party, but I she okay. did. Um, she did meet Birdie. Gotcha. Okay. Well, gotcha. then we will not spoil the guest star at the bar. Oh, oh yeah, yeah there is a guest. Don't star. spoil it, but yeah. I, I think I probably know. But I think yeah, you probably yeah. know too. But it's great, and I'm excited for you to get there. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. That one. That episode, which I think is episode six, right? The the one with the like kind of two dueling queer spaces. That was my favorite episode. Yeah, Uh, that's my next one coming up. I thought it was just impeccably done. Just like really, really good. Like that was just that was my favorite episode. And again, this idea that there is such joy even when they're hidden. And that was again, something the cast and the, the showrunners really stressed to me was that they wanted to make sure that you saw the happy moments and it wasn't just the struggles. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's part of kind of looping a little bit back to what I was saying about kind of like the this fully realized life of Max's and the people around her is that all that joy and like friendship and happiness and, you know, social 
context and everything like that was all really that was all there it's not just like here's why racism is bad max Mm -hmm. is sad yeah yeah and I right, you get the one scene with her, you know, uh, trying out. She doesn't get it. And you get one scene with her working at the factory. But no, you get you get a whole world. Yeah. And a I think world where they're living life on their terms. Mm-hmm. I think like low key, my favorite. I mean, we've already talked about how Clint is the best character. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I like I agree with that. I think she is. And like, but my favorite part about her is that she draws comics and I just think that that is so awesome. Like, like it's such a great yes. trait to have that character have because it just like emphasizes that like not only like th- these people are living authentically and like she's also doing like something that, you know, black women don't traditionally do. Like Max is doing baseball and like a lot of the focus of the show is on that. Like, you know, this black woman trying to break into a world that's not only white, but male. Mm-hmm. And but you know, Clarence is doing that too. It's just, you don't really like, it's just kind of an undertone. You don't really see like her struggle with it, but it's there because she draws comics and not a lot of black women draw comics, especially back then. Yeah. And so I just thought that that was really cool. I love like, that was like my favorite kind of little nuance they did is just like all the comics she draws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I love I was that. Obsessed and it's something that. that just always, it just keeps coming back to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say with that friendship, I mean, they're best friends. They do everything together. I'm not going to spoil it because it's near the end, but there's a moment where Clance goes, like, I can't talk about baseball right now. I can't believe that's what you want to talk about. And I love well, I think that. that comes up also earlier, too. Like, it's clearly a thread in their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that because I think that that's a more honest portrayal of female friendship is that like we, it wasn't Clance was just the sidekick who su- her entire existence was to be Max's sounding board. Yeah. 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 No, she's got her own stuff mm-hmm. and her own relationships, which are also delightful and interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I love and- her and her sweet little husband. <laughs> oh, my God. I love her and Guy so much. Guys. <laughs> I, I hope, I like hope that again, obviously hope the show is renewed and I hope that there's a lot more Clarence Guy content mm-hmm. in, the f- in the future. Cause that, that's such a cute relationship. I love it. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Kate, you talked to Shantae Adams, who plays Max in the show. I mean, you talked to the a lot of the cast, but I, I want to talk yes. about Shantae specifically um, about like telling the stories of Black women who are not told in the original film. So, can you talk a little bit about like what Shantae said, like of her experience of doing the show was like? 
Yeah, she was. So I talked to her and Abby, Abby Jacobson at the same time. Um, but she was talking about, and the three of us on this podcast know their names. And most of your listeners probably know the names. But Tony Stone and Mamie Johnson and Connie Morgan, you know, these women that we should know and that so many people don't. And she was talking about how special that was to get to show them, even without their names, but to, you know, put them on television and talk about what they went through and they succeeded at. And that was really, and that was what we missed in the original. You know, we had the the movie, the one scene where she throws the baseball and we all remember that. And that was a great scene. But there was so much more to this world. And she was shut out twice. I mean, she was shut out from the peaches because she was black and she was shut out from the factory because she was a woman. And she didn't stop fighting. And I loved that. And there were moments where she does and I get it. But she kept going because this is this is all she wanted. Yeah. And I was pulling up my notes. That's why I was rambling. <laughs> I was trying to find the, the Google Doc. Um. We do not know their names as a society and as a world. If you're a baseball fan, you should be able to name these three women. That's not the case. We're hoping that through this show, we're able to shed light on their history and their story. And I think they do. And I think there probably are people who watch this show and then Googled. And I can't think of a better purpose for a television show. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that there are sort of like, there's two cohorts of people that I see as the like, audience of this show and then there's obviously like an intersection of that Venn diagram and I feel like this podcast (laughs) is at the intersection but um there's kind of there's hardcore baseball fans right who like Mm want to watch this show because it's about baseball and then there's people who want to watch this show because there's representation of people who look like them in a space where that that was not usually a thing and you know I think that that that's awesome that this kind of attracts the like two different types of like audiences together in like one show. Mm-hmm. And it's um, good at doing both, which not every is, show yeah. is. And plenty of that's, shows are very good at one or the other, but that's man, really it's super nice point. to have one as both. It, right. It's not just that they tried to do both. It's that they succeeded at doing both. Right. Right. And I think that like, so I'm, I'm actually skipping down to a different part of my questions because I think that this is like a good Scandal. segue into this. Um, <laughs> but I think that part of like appeal, the show like meaning to appeal to a like modern audience as opposed to the 1992 film, which is great. Again, we love it. Like not a failing of the 1992 film by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that this is, you know, this is supposed to be a show for a 2022 audience. And part of that is that it is, and this is a stylistic choice, this is not an accident or poor research, is that it's purposefully anachronistic in a lot of ways. Like we've talked about the way, the ways we've already talked about the ways in which this show accurately represents the time period, but there are ways in which it doesn't. Um, Mostly the way the characters talk. The characters talk like they live in 2022. They Mm -hmm. do not talk like they live in the It's very stylistically anachronistic. If that is like, a huge pet peeve for you in TV. It's going to be a problem. For I you. still think you should try it, but like, it is. I will say it's not like they're using slang. Like Dickinson, no. nobody watched Dickinson, but it was a fantastic show on Apple, and they were using like modern slang. And it's not that. It's just like slightly more updated. It's kind. And- it's it's Broad City, but make it baseball, which is yeah. 
fabulous. <laughs> I mean, just in terms, not in terms of the like story per se, but like just in terms of the patterns of speech. It's mm-hmm. nothing, nothing new from Abby Jacobson and it's yeah. delightful, but there, I know it's not totally everyone's cup of tea. I exactly. have seen consideration and I think that I agree with this, that Abby Jacobson can't not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, I think, Checks like, out. I mean, I guess that's like technically a failing of her, but also if that's what it is, like just lean into it. I think that's fine. Know yeah. your, know your strengths. Right. It's like that, that tweet, like Jessica Biel can't do period pieces because she has a face that's seen texting. <laughs> <laughs> that's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's one of my favorite tweets, but like, it's like she just like has like that lilt to her voice and it just sounds 2022. Yeah, you like, yeah. I mean, obviously, these are professional actors. If they were mm-hmm. going to do 1940s style, they can do it. I believe in them that it's within their range to right. do. But well, it the, also, like, they it's did not it on purpose. It, I think it's not that this never happened, but it is a disproportionate number of F bombs for, yeah. I think, not just most women, but most humans back then it is it's a lot of f-bombs <laughs> it is i it mean is. it's her like running around with her bra out and like the opening scene like yes she was running there but like she would have been mortified and she just like wasn't yep i do love and i, I hope this doesn't count as a spoiler because it is from the very first episode but my absolute favorite moment not favorite moment i don't know it's just so great is when she's trying to get up on the train like they do in the movie <laughs> except instead of being like come on ma'am get, throw me your bag he's like no you can't get on this train you have to wait for the next one and i just love that like moment it- of realism of like the conductor does not care that you have trials <laughs> <laughs> and the right and then she, he goes okay where's your ticket well about that like, <laughs> yeah she doesn't have where's your one. 2022 language but like yeah it didn't take me out of it like I wasn't upset about it it took me a couple episodes I will say at first it did but it, once I settled in it didn't bother me yeah but it took me a couple episodes for sure um yeah I yeah. like it but I also warned my dad about it he's yeah. like am I gonna like it and I said you're gonna like most of it <laughs> yeah I think my favorite line in it and this is actually like kind of a a like indirect callback to the 1992 film there's a moment in the 1992 film kind of like this but it's like a different it takes place in a different context um but in the show there's this moment and this is like from the the later episodes so it's a bit spoilery but it's not it's like a very minor it's not a plot point it's a very funny moment of language where um you know there you know there's obviously a character who you know is not is like finding out about you know some of the characters around her some of the women around her might be queer and you know because it's the 1940s she's like very paranoid about that and like not happy about it um and, you know, she's she talks about how, you know, she says to one of the other like women, she says, like, they've seen my breasts. And and, and the other woman goes, we've all seen your breasts. Everyone's seen my breasts because they're great. <laughs> and I loved that. That yeah. like, made me smile. <laughs> it was very funny. Um, but that's like just not something I feel like would be said in the in the 1940s. But in the 1992 film. 
Rosie O'Donnell's character says at one point to Madonna's character, like something like there ain't you think a man. there are men in this country yeah. who ain't seen your bosoms, who ain't yes. seen your bosoms. It's a callback mm-hmm. to that. But it's like I famously scene. spent that entire summer when I was seven years old going around and saying that line. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, that's perfect. I'm sure your parents were thrilled. That's you know, fantastic. there are worse things I could have repeated. Are yes. there? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, so we will we will kind of like wrap up our discussion with like the one like negative thing I guess I have to say about the show. Like this is like ninety five percent positive things I have to say about this show, but my biggest by far gripe with this show is that visually I do not feel the baseball scenes are done very well. <laughs> Um, and maybe as baseball fans, like we're being too picky about this, but to me, this was like, kind of like, there were so many ways in which this show was a step forward from the 1992 film. This was a a glaring aspect where it was a step back because I felt that the 1992 film did better in making the baseball scenes realistic. Um, and so like, I don't know, I guess my question for Kate is like, what was up with that? Why? Yeah. Why is I was it that fighting kind of... with your boyfriend about this this morning? In fact, so yes. Michael reason. Michael was really mad about it. I was less ticked off than he was. I mean, not to say it didn't bother me, but Michael is like in a full blown rage spiral yeah. about this. And Justine Siegel was a oh, uh, and that's what workout. So I was me. surprised. Yeah, I was surprised that it was as bad as it was, and it was bad. Like, let's be very honest. Like, that is was this not- is this a, an episode that I haven't seen yet? No, it's all of it. It's oh, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Every scene of baseball is not very good. There's one no, not there's great. there's mm. one scene that I felt like the best uh, the best most realistic scene which I think that is something Maggie hasn't seen yet. But it's like when Maxine gets like her final shot and there's and she is like pitching like the 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 I'm not going to give away too much but basically okay. there's an injury and she fills in right she Mm. she's asked to fill in and so she's filling in and that's where she gets her like shot at the at the factory team and like most of it is unrealistic like always but she throws like one final pitch to strike a guy out and the camera angle is overhead and like that was really good that one pitch I was like there you go like it looks like she's throwing hard like (laughs) most of my complaints about this are mostly just like the pitchers don't, the actors don't look like they're throwing as hard as they can. They look like they're like doing like a lollipop throw. And then there's like a cut to the ball, like flying very it's fast. Like into the My favorite baseball scene was the double steal when they start freaking out because they're speaking in code. Yeah. And it's just Spanish. <laughs> yeah. It's just, sp- yes. but um, yeah, I don't know the answer. I will off the bat. I do not know why the baseball was so bad you could have trained them better. I know a lot of them played like little league. Like you do keep some of those reflexes. I do. And this is where Michael and I were arguing this. And this is what we talked about earlier was the audience for this show. And we are the audience for this show, but our parents are also the audience for this show. And our friends who care way less about baseball than us. Yes. And they're not going to care. And that's fine. No, that's true. Fine. We are at a far end of a spectrum. Right. Like, I'm not, like, judging people who don't care about the, like, the actual talent level of the baseball. So I don't know if that's, like, they just, like, kind of half-assed it because they don't care. I don't know. I don't 
I genuinely don't know. I do not have answers for that. I mean, honestly, I've spent so much of my life um, watching people knit on TV and movies who have never (laughs) touched a piece of yarn in their lives um, that I could really ignore anything. I just imagine that this is the experience of like a NASA engineer watching for all mankind. Like I'm just sitting there like, yeah, yeah. Not to bring it back to for all mankind again. Apparently my brain is on for all mankind right now, but like, I'm just sitting there like, yeah, space stuff. And like, I imagine a NASA engineer is like, they can never do that because X, Y, Z reasons. <laughs> the jet propulsion, right. Like I watch journalism on TV and it's terrible. Like if one oh more like, woman journalist sleeps with her. So, but like the walking, people, talking in the newsroom stuff yeah. is always very but funny. Like, most me. people don't care about that. And it's just, and that's fine. Again, like, I don't think that's like a criticism of like viewership. It's just, you just have to know what to expect. Right. Pitch at the same problems, like whether to show like scenes or not. And I think it did a better job. Well, I think it did a good job of, of covering baseball stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like talking about baseball. It's more the visuals and like yeah. the physics and cinematography. Yes. The right. actual not like depiction of baseball happening, not great. Yeah. But what would be worse would be if like the stories they were trying to tell or the, you know, the the thing, the, you know, events occurring around baseball that didn't make any sense. Right. 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 Yeah. Nothing was like egregious. Like it wasn't like they were running backwards on the bases. Yeah. There was just, one like, moment where because Michael and I literally watched this again, COVID isolation. Michael and I literally watched this via Amazon watch party from two separate rooms and would text <laughs> and were texting back and forth during it. Oh. And there was one point where and God, I wish I could remember it. He's going to text me from the other room because he can probably hear me. So he's going to be like, it was this scene. Um is like when there there was a point where like they were stealing a base and he was like they would never steal in that situation <laughs> not the double steal like a different time because yeah, yeah, there's yeah. like there's like a, a specific like time where they're like it is specifically the peaches strategy to steal bases because it's one of the ways which they like start pushing the envelope and winning games because like it's not it's not like they said that there, uh, there's a specific line about it. Like there was a gentleman's agreement to not steal bases in the league. And then the the uh, the minder of the I don't know exactly like what her yeah, the the chaperone. Her, yeah. Oh, she was also wonderful. Who is one of the wonderful character, by the way. Yes. But the, the chaperone of the girls too. like snaps back and says, well, I don't see any gentlemen here, do you? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Um, She's another I feel like they they did this with her and they did it with Dove, the manager of just having a character that is very, very different from the movie analog. Yes. Mm. Speaking of the manager, Nick Offerman was great, but they abandoned him halfway through the show, which was very odd. It was oh my gosh. So, so I guess he doesn't come back. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't I know. Mean, not that's that, like... I mean, not that counts as a spoiler, but like, oh, yeah, we were watching. No. No, he's just gone. It he's was just a, gone. Right? It's a very weird character. And I get that they were like trying to set up that like, here's another man who's like failed these girls. Unlike kind of ladies doing it for themselves opportunity. Right. right. Like, which is had, great. It was the impetus to get, right, to get Carson in charge. And I get that. But it was just, it was a weird, it was just it was like, awkwardly very- done and very jarring and sudden. And they were just like, he's yeah. managing the Orioles. And it was like, yeah. oh, okay. I mean, and 
and then here I was assuming that like, oh, well, of course he's going to do a terrible job and come back and be extra pissy. But like, no, it's nope. just, that's the end. no he's just gone. Yeah. He's just There's gone. your baseball realism is <laughs> folks ship off and that's the end of it. Yeah, never hear from them again. Yeah. I will say, because I know we're, you're wrapping this up, but Maggie's talked a lot about how much we got of Max's world, which I loved. But we also got a lot with the other peaches too. And it was a huge cast. And I was really impressed that we got so many subplots without it feeling like they were just trying to give subplots, you know, going down like the cast list. Mm -hmm. Yes. It wasn't like everybody got their one episode. Right. It was, we got bits and pieces here and that formed a character and that's Mm -hmm. how people are. Yeah, and it was cool because so much of the the 1992 film, and this is not, again, like these are not criticisms of the 1992 film, which I love dearly. It's my favorite movie. But like a lot of the focus is on uh, Dottie and Kit because they have a sister relationship. And so like that dynamic like is a big part, like a big mm-hmm. like central yeah. current to that movie. And that's and it's like a two not, hour movie. And, and it's yeah. a two hour movie. You know? And the other part is dedicated to Madonna because she's Madonna. Like, exactly. and, again, and I get it. And there's like not a similar, I mean, obviously there's uh, Carson and Greta and their like, you know, love interest relationship, mm-hmm. but like there's not a similar sibling dynamic that's like dominating the like storyline. So I feel like there's like a lot more room for the other characters to right. grow because it's a longer, it's a TV series as opposed to a movie. And there's not like this central dynamic mm-hmm. that's taking over everything. Well, right. like um, Shirley being a weirdo. I loved yes. the three girls. Um, as when the car breaks down. That oh my god, that's such a good scene. So yes. sweet, and like it was short. Like in the grand scheme of things, it was quick, but it was so sweet. Yeah. And we also they make got the most of their time. Yeah, we got a really good. Like that was a beginning, middle, and end to a story. Well, and I appreciate you know, and and obviously Carson is really the central figure, but she has so many interesting relationships with so many other characters. Um, you know, she has a connection to what's her face or chaperone and she does have a you know um she has uh, i'm blanking i'm so bad with names as like a general mm-hmm. thing um but uh her pitcher who co spanish striker she's their relationship is so interesting mm-hmm. and so like i don't know it, it's just it's one of those perfect examples of like a relationship between women that is just about who they are as people and very like i don't know and 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 then she also has this relationship, obviously, with Greta and with uh, her fairly mentally well, ill roommate. Um, and it's just, really, and yeah. I love that, like that, a lot of these this um, nuance you get in all these other characters comes through her and their relationships with her. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I think that helps them get that. Yeah, it almost feels like they're playing musical chairs, and like it's just you're getting all the different amalgamations. Yeah. yeah. And like not to Bechtel test the, the show, which it classes with flying colors, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but that's like kind of the point, right? Is that like this is a show about female relationships that like aren't centered around men. Like mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. it's not like their friendships that the, the like relationships that the characters have between each other are not like the predominant point of discussion is men or like, you know, their boyfriends or like, oh, this guy is cute or like, which is like so much the basis of like female friendships and like so many other like like sex in the city for example which i'm not disparaging by any stretch of the imagination but like so much of that is like it's a it's a show about female friendships but the female friendships are dominated by 
men mm-hmm. and their relationship to men and how they and feel I about sex and say, all that stuff. A lot of shows with queer storylines are doing the same thing and it's all about their girlfriend. Right. Right. Yeah. I, like it's, you know, we, we should change the language on this. I'm not right now, but it's not right. It's there are storylines outside of romance. Well, it's, exactly. it's also why I don't think anyone even like I love Nick Offerman, but I don't think anyone is shedding too many tears <laughs> aside from the awkwardness at, at at his not being a part of their story anymore because they don't need him. Mm-hmm. Right. They're doing real good on their own. Right, yeah. exactly. Oh, on their own. Oh my God, I said it. <laughs> Didn't even mean to. On their own. I'm I'm informed by Michael by text from the other room that the issue was that the the issue was actually with the double steal is that it happened and then the batter came up to bat and so like that's not what would happen in a game like you wouldn't double oh, steal and then a batter would come up you double steal in the middle of the at bat. I see. So it was just like a weird like error. Yeah. There. Yeah, I wish that it was better, but like, I guess just for me in the grand scheme of things, like, whatever. Like, I just yeah, I like up on it. We are we are nitpicky because we know the game very very well, and yeah. like the median person watching this show is not going to be mad about that. I guess my thing, and this is how I try really hard to watch TV in general, and I watch a lot of TV as everyone knows, is that I try to find things that I enjoy rather than things that I dislike. Yes. Because I just, like, if I just sit there and I find all the faults in it, I'm going to be really either bored or annoyed and upset, and I don't want to be that. So if something ignores me, I just kind of, like, get over it. Like, if it's something as inconsequential as, like, the baseball is not great. Yeah, yeah. Like, I... I don't know. Maybe I fall too much on the spectrum of, like, because there's a balance you have to toe between, like, seeking out things you enjoy that you know that you're going to get like joy out of mm-hmm. and you know not trying anything new ever and like typecasting yourself <laughs> and like not like breaking out of your shell with regard to like what media you consume and I'm afraid I am too much on the spectrum of like being in my shell and that's where Michael helps me because he enjoys like a lot of different stuff like I would say his range is much broader than mine he'll watch almost anything whereas like I'm very much like here's what I like and I will watch things that are like this um yeah. that's how I, I am with beer so I get it yeah exactly that's how <laughs> I, I was am talking to a movies. friend about this yesterday like I watch obviously for work I watch a lot of tv that I wouldn't normally watch just like if I like if I were you too, like I just wouldn't. And I try really hard to find like this isn't for me, but here's what like here's what was good or bad in the show. Like not like I don't care if I liked it or not, because it wasn't for me and that's fine. Yeah, like here's what people who aren't me are gonna really love about this. Right. Yeah. And that's um, why you're such uh, so good at your job. Case. I mean, in all honesty, seriously, like, I try. Nobody reviewing should be sitting there talking about I like this because like yeah. nobody cares. My go to like is always there was a review when the Frozen musical came out that, I, <laughs> that it was too childish. It's for <laughs> children. I had no idea where that was going to go, but it was great. <laughs> Like, who in the earth do you think the audience for the Frozen musical is? Like, and this was like a 60 year old, like, guy, right? I was like, you're not the audience. That's fine. 
makes me think of like two recent, like very recent examples of this like failing of like, you know, critics is mm. like the the one example that like kills me is the guy. And this is like a he became the Twitter main character that day. The guy who tweeted about how Boba Fett is not violent enough. Like, oh, God, it was like. Star Wars is for kids like yeah. it is for children you are fine it's fine to enjoy it like I enjoy Disney movies which are for children it is totally fine to enjoy it but you need to understand it is not for you mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not for you a grown-ass man and if you want more violence there's plenty of TV and movies that you can watch that are very violent yeah. that will scratch that itch for you for sure and n- that's not what Star Wars is for um And then the other example was the, and this was like more sinister in the way that like a guy basically wrote a terrible review of like turning red where he was like, this is not for me. So I didn't like, (laughs) like me, a white man. I didn't like this because I couldn't relate to the, like, basically he said he couldn't relate to the characters. And so, okay, fine. You don't have to have it. I get to keep it. And I was like, yeah, screw you, buddy. Like, this isn't for you. (laughs) No. Like. Um, but yeah, you guys should all go watch um, A League of Their Own on Prime Video. It's a fantastic it's really show. It's so um, much fun. It's different from what else is out there. It's, you know, again, good characters. So many of them. Like, you'll run out of characters to love. Like, it's just, <laughs> just so many. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's such a warm show. And I... Like, I think that we all deserve that. And again, you do yes. see the realities of this, but it's, there's so much heart and warmth and love in this show. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's nice. It is. Like, it's a it really is nice. word, but it's a nice TV show. Yeah, it is. It's like a hug. It's like a mm-hmm. warm blanket. Like you kind of sit there and like, there are moments where you just sit there and you go, hmm. <laughs> oh my God, I want to finish it so bad. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's so good. Um, So go watch it. Like pretty much anyone, like, I, I would venture to say I'm not going to like overstep and say that every single person who listens to this podcast will enjoy it, but I'm going to put it at a good 99%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on account of, again, just knowing folks like my dad and the things that drive them crazy, there are going to be people who just cannot really get into the kind of rhythm and lilt of the dialogue being very modern. Um, and we will forgive you. And we are sorry for your loss. But we're asking you to stick through it if you can. Everyone needs to try. It's yeah. it's good and worth it. Um, but we will end the show like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Kate Feldman, what is your walk-off win? Oh, God. I had to, like, get parameters on this because this has not been a great week. But I bought a bunch of really cute pajamas from Old Navy. So oh, I love that. That is fantastic. And that is well within the parameters of <laughs> walk-off like, wins, which there I'm are. I'm actually no wearing a cute pair of pajamas that I got for myself at Target like two weeks ago for basically life sadness reasons. Yeah, so. right. It's just like that just makes me feel good. So I'm gonna do it. That's 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 where I am in life right now. <laughs> I yep. fully support that. Yep. It's the little things. Yeah. Also, Literally, Target has cute PJs for like $15 for a whole set so I mean literally this is the first podcast that we are putting out in like two weeks because of my life sadness and I'm sorry everyone hey I had life sadness last week too. it was just different kind of life D- sadness. different life sadness we're going through we're Screaming going through life it sadness but 
a, uh, a league of their own really helps. <laughs> it does. It really helps. Um, but Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk-off win for this week? So my walk-off win is going to um, bring us back to a little side topic of this show, which is the Mets. Um, and it's actually, it's a little yeah, outdated. we're ostensibly a Mets podcast. I know, ostensibly. Um, so we're, this, this is also an outdated um this is a little bit of an outdated walk-off win because it was for last week, but we, my daughter was screaming at the top of her lungs. Um, and that is that we went as a family, not even just as a family, as like a whole plan to the game last Sunday. And like, it was amazing, but I also kind of wanted to like go beyond just talking about what a great game it was. But also, but more my walk-off win is just watching my kids become Mets fans this season, like really becoming Mets fans. And, um, you know, it's a combination of factors like they're five and eight now. So a little more able to like get and remember some of the details. Um, And a big thing is like this was the summer out for the last two years. The kids have ruled the television in our house. And like I was not going to bother myself fighting with them about it and a life when we had to fight about a lot of things. So, but this summer I was like, I'm watching baseball and that's what we're going to do. And they, to their credit, actually protested very little, but like, so now it's just on all the time and they're around and watching it and asking about it and like hearing me react to it. And that's just amazing. Um, And then the other part of it is also that the Mets are good. And I hope if there are any baseball executives listening to this right now, um, <laughs> I mean, many things I have to say to you, but also um, make your baseball teams good. I mean, they like they had a great time at the game, both of the games that they've been to. And it's not in small part due to the fact that the Mets were winning the whole time, like just scoring runs right and left. Uh, like it, it makes such a big difference in the energy and the enthusiasm, like I'm not saying that they wouldn't enjoy the Mets if the Mets were having a more typical season, but having these big wins and getting to like snuggle in the mornings and watch, uh, you know, highlights on my phone together. Like it has just been a really special time with all these factors coming together. Um, Make more baseball teams good so that your kids will like them because it's very nice to have kids who love baseball. I highly recommend it. I grow the next generation of fans. Like the, like the, you can talk all you want about things on the margins about like marketing the game about, um, you know, all these rule changes that may or may not improve pace of play, all these things. But first and foremost, what bring, what makes fans is good baseball, (laughs) a good product. It seems so obvious. Good baseball is more fun. Like that just seems like the most obvious thing that you can come to. And yet here we are. Like what child, what like child who's being raised to become a Mets fan would not get excited about that Mark Canna bat flip. Like that's so freaking cool and fun. Like we were having a conversation in, uh, in Amazing Avenue Slack today with Nate Gizmot, who is also a parent. Um, and he, his son, he just got his son, his first baseball glove. And that was like a very cute moment. And I said, like, in response, like, imagine growing up watching Francisco Lindor. Like, mm-hmm. that's so cool, yeah. man. Like, I love, I'm already like, 
or I Pete Alonzo. I mean, was mm-hmm. is there a player ever who's been better carved from stone to be every child's <laughs> like hero? Yeah. He like, is a child, right? He he, he basically is a big golden retriever. Mm-hmm. Like kid loves loves baseball, just loves baseball. And like I like I'm already out of my mind hyped every time I go to the ballpark that I get to watch Francisco Lindor play baseball. I cannot imagine if I was a kid. Like I would just be so like starstruck by him i would be like so excited that he's on my team that i get to i keep having to remind them that it's not always like that <laughs> right exactly but it but I mean, it, it could can, be but it can be it can <laughs> be this is the dream right like and like baseball I will, team. and i will say like the mets like this the, this iteration of the mets is not just good but they're fun very like, they're fun, fun they're very fun they're big home runs and like they're ridiculous stolen bases like it's not just like clean routine baseball that they're winning a lot. Yeah, it's it's a very fun team, um, which relates to my walk off win because my walk off win is also you know Mets baseball related this week, which is that on Friday I went to Citizens Bank Park to watch the Mets and the Phillies and the Mets won, <laughs> so it was a very fun game all around. Now, uh. Obviously, like right now with uh, the fact that my ACL is like potentially torn slash my knee is like permanently or like, you know, very severely compromised in some way or another uh, that I will hopefully learn about what way tomorrow. Um, literally a 10 day IL all of a sudden. Literally yeah. a 10 day IL. <laughs> I don't know. I lost track. Whatever. Oh, I, <laughs> um, I, um, I was in the ADA seating and I got wheeled to my seat in a wheelchair, which I tried Ooh. to insist to not do that, but. They were like, please, please. And I was like, okay, fine. Now you dragging your bum knee around is not going to help anybody. I was on crutches and it would have been a lot, but I was trying to like power through. But now they, they wheeled me in a wheelchair. Um, but yeah, no so I got credit. to uh, I got to see a very unobstructed view, which was nice <laughs> uh, from my ADA accessible seating. Uh, uh, a plus to Citizens Bank Park for their ADA seating. Well done. Yay. It's good seating. Um, at least where I was sitting, there's obviously plenty throughout the ballpark that has many different views. I was sitting kind of in like right field in the 200 level. So like not field mm-hmm. level, but like not upper deck either kind of in the middle. Um, and it was, it was fantastic. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a great time because the Mets won and I went with friends of mine who I haven't seen in some time. So it was nice to like see them again. Um, and it was just a, a really good day all around. Aside from my knee being a bum knee, it was a really good day. Um, Really solid win. Chris Bassett pitched great. Um, got to see a Brett Beatty hit. Got to see a Pete Alonzo homer. So that was nice. It was a good. It was a good game. Had fun. Ran the so gamut. I like Citizens Bank. And that was and actually it was it was incredible because it was a sold out game. And I think that's the first time I've been at a game that's been sold out in some time. Like I've been at games that have been like you know pretty packed and crowded, but like that was the first time I think in a quite a while that I've been at a game where they like announced that it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, the, I'm watching. I'm behind, clearly. <laughs> I was uh, like, they're usual. just like showing Alonzo. <laughs> but um, that uh, that's the first time in some time I've been at a game where they like announced over the PA system that it was a sold out crowd and everyone cheered. And that was very cool. Um, I think it was sold out in part because and I, I am sad that I did not experience this part of the game. And it was because of my knee and because of the fact that we had to drive back to D.C. that night and we weren't staying in Philly. If we had been, I would have experienced this part. There was a post game. It was like 90s night and there was a post game concert of like 90s hits featuring Vanilla Ice. And I was like, this is like exactly my brand. I would 
I would love to experience this. And like, you know, people, uh, players were doing like 90s walk up songs and there was like, you know, a lot of like in between innings, uh, like 90s content. Uh, So it was very fun. Um, So it was sold out, I think, because both the Mets and the Phillies are, you know, in contention and because there was this like post game concert, which Mm -hmm. was very fun. So it was just a good night of baseball all around and there was a pretty sunset and it made for a really nice baseball sky. And it was just like perfect baseball day. Um, So that is my walk off win for this week. Um, You can find uh, us at AmazingAvenue.com. Check out all of our content. Kate Feldman, where can people find you on the Internet and find your work? Um, With the New York Daily News, I write a lot. I have like three features coming out this week and Twitter is Kate E. Feldman, where I mostly just complain about the maths. Yes. Um, and you can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow Maggie and I on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from Amazing Avenue Audio. You can subscribe there and find all of our fantastic suite of podcasts on Amazing Avenue. Um, please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in the